Welcome to Cinema Ticket Episode 3. We are about to dive into Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi, but before we do, I'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you get it if you are enjoying it. It helps out the show a ton and gets it to people who don't know about it. So, without further ado, let's get into the show. I'm here with Blake Ellis. Blake, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. We're about to dive into Star Wars Episode 8. The Last Jedi, which is a very controversial movie. Uh, Before we get into it, I would, disclaimer, this isn't a Last Jedi hate podcast episode. We'll share things that bother us about the movie, but in general, we both have a positive sense about the movie. So if you're here looking for a rage rant of some sort on the movie, that's, this is not the place you'll find it. Uh, But we are going to dive into the things we didn't like, the things we do like, the things we love, don't love, all that, all that kind of stuff. So, Blake, give me your, um, when you go to the movies, give me your general preferences. So, like, where do you like to sit? Do you get popcorn? Do you not? Uh, This is a a movie podcast about going to the movies. So, what's your movie theater experience? What's your favorite kind? All right. Uh, Well, I grew up with a Regal Cinema in my hometown, and so... In California. In California. I'm from Southern California, Regal 16, La Habra. That's my place. Um, Love it. And I had Movie Pass for a long time, and so me, rest in peace. Rest in peace, Movie Pass. Uh, me and my my best friend Aiden, we went constantly to the movies, um, and so I, I I really developed a very firm sense of like what's my preference yeah. as I got as I was put in lots of different situations. But I do not get popcorn. Um, Is that a I don't like popcorn preference or a it's too expensive preference? Uh, that is I don't like popcorn. Oh preference. wow! It's uh. It gets in my teeth, and I would. It, it's just it's too much of a hassle on my. And I, I know some people who like movie who who don't like movie theater popcorn, but like other kinds of popcorn. Are you there, or are you just popcorn hater in general? I I like the caramel corn that comes in the in the popcornopolis. Yeah. And I like my my friend back home. His mom makes homemade kettle corn. That's delicious. Uh, but besides that, I don't generally eat popcorn. Um, I like to sit in the very back row in the center. That is that's your spot. That's that's my spot. Um, that way I don't have to worry about like I can like put my hands up on the back of the seat. I can like stand up and I don't have to worry about bothering anybody behind me. Um, so back row and in the middle has always been my preference. I've just I hate having to tilt my neck up at all. I'd ride and if I have to look down slightly, that that's fine with me. Um, so so in this day and age, it used to be. You know, you have to get to the to the movie theater real early mm-hmm. to get your seat and all that kind of stuff. But now we have reserved seating, which has kind of changed the game. So are you a buy your tickets in advance the first day the tickets drop, or are you show up, hope for the best kind of thing? Or does it depend on the movie? I, th- I think it depends on the movie. Um, in general, I'd prefer to have my tickets ahead of time and then go in and then, and then just know and just kind of be able to pull up last minute. Um but with certain movies like, like with Infinity War, I, I was able to to get the tickets ahead of time for opening night, and it was assigned seating. I mean, yeah. I probably paid like thirty five dollars for the ticket, yeah. but like it was worth it because I. I so, just, how, so you're from California. So how expensive are movie tickets in California? Uh, like like twelve bucks. So that's about what it is. Like downtown Knoxville, I used to work at the Regal there, 
and it's about twelve dollars. So that's not egregious. I yeah, think, it's not. It's not insane. I mean, if you're going to like an AMC, it's going to be a, a little more. Huh. A little more. It might be closer to the sixteen to eighteen range. This is just off the top of my head. I don't yeah. have any f- facts in front of me, so forgive me. Um, but yeah, but for Endgame, I we we got tickets, but it wasn't a, it wasn't assigned seating, and we had like a giant group of of, of guys going in. So that's and tough. I got and I got and we're all seniors in high school, and I got out of class first, and so it was my job to get to the theater. So I got there. Showing was at eight. I got there at one p.m. Dang, dude. And I just sat on this very hard movie theater floor. Luckily, I got to go inside for other movies. I oh, that's, yeah, outside. that's right. Yeah. Um, but I was like the only one there for like three hours. Totally worth it. <laughs> so for The Last Jedi, uh, where did you see this movie? And uh, did you, with the tickets, did you get your tickets in advance? Did you kind of wait till the last minute? Um, and who did you see it with? And that, so set the stage for, for your movie theater experience with The Last Jedi. Um, I saw this film, I believe it was the week after it had come out. Gotcha. Uh, I, I didn't so go, you weren't opening night? I wasn't opening night. I was just late to the game and didn't have a lot of money back then. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Uh, and I convinced my dad to take me. Uh, it was over Christmas break. Um, and my dad is very much... For, it's unbelievable. He was eight years old when the first Star Wars came out. Yeah. But he like has no pulse when it comes to like he saw all the all the originals in theaters like his parents took him to see it but it just like never like sci-fi and like fantasy never really like appealed to him and so he like watched him when he was a kid and then like would do lightsaber battles with me when I was a kid and that was about it um, and so and he hadn't seen the Force Awakens leading into this so he just knew the original trilogy he might have seen one of the prequel films with me hmm. but he was he's very much. Doesn't doesn't know Star Wars. Um, I saw it back home at the at the Regal by my house, um, and yeah, it it was a packed theater because it was it was still the week of. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that, that was that was the gist. Cr- was, right around Christmas, and Christmas is always a it's a movie popular time. time yeah, so so it was fun. It, it was it was an evening showing. As me and my dad most definitely got in and out a burger before it, yep. um, and then. I'll be having my first in and out experience in a couple weeks, actually. And I have not hyped it enough, I don't think. Maybe I... Don't hype, don't oversell it. I don't want to oversell it, but I think it's the best fast food in existence. Okay, okay. So... I'm excited about it. We'll uh, see. But yeah, so that was... I went with my dad a week after it opened, and I was really excited. That's awesome. So for the Milligan people who are listening, I saw this movie with J.D. McDonald, Charlie Mosley, Corbin Cross... Uh, my dad and my sister. Um, so I, a few of my friends drove a couple hours to come see it with me, and we went opening night, and um, huge Star Wars fans and all that kind of good stuff. And we got to the movie theater real early. And because for whatever reason, I don't know why the Regal down, they have a sign seating now, but back then, only two years ago, they didn't have a sign seating at all. Yeah, that, that was, that's how it was in mine, too. So we had to get there pretty early. And it was kind of embarrassing because we went to the theater that I worked at, and I had told the people there that I had asked off for that night to go see Star Wars. But I didn't tell them I took off to go see Star Wars. Yet. Right. So it was kind of, I had to kind of like dodge my way around, and <laughs> like it was a very, very weird uh, experience there for a minute. But man, the line was so long. It was packed. Everyone was hyped. We get to the movie theater. We sit down. Uh, we sat 
which was my favorite spot until the recliners came out because the recliners kind of take this away. But the spot right behind the handicap seats that has yeah. a railing, you put your feet up there. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite spot. And uh, so we got to got to sit there. We got our seats. And I was just waiting and waiting. Had my friends with me. Had my dad with me. Had my sister with me. I was ready to go opening night. And I had a lot of expectations. Uh, and I feel like every Star Wars fan came into that movie with expectations and theories and all that kind of stuff. So what what theories did you bring into the movie with you or expectations? Yeah, this – I had a lot going into this. I very much enjoyed The Force Awakens. I did too. Um, I thought I, I think it's a great film. It's pretty high up there on my Star Wars ranking. Um, but it it was more of a – exposition for like it, it kind of like set it set the scene set for the trilogy of, yeah, it set a lot of things it set a lot of things and i was ready for this next film to kind of like take off into this trilogy and really like show what it was capable of and expand like expand the universe and expand the characters in a way that was going to be really interesting um i had watched hours of hours of speculation yeah, videos same. like i remember even when they announced like the title i watched a youtube video where this guy went and he he analyzed all the different movie posters from different, from the different countries, and so there was, there was one. It was from like Venezuela or something, and it was a Latin American, Spanish-speaking country, and it was El Last Jedi. And they're yeah. trying to figure out, all right, so The Last Jedi, they use L instead of La in Spanish, <laughs> and so it has to be a guy. Yeah. Like it's referring to a guy. That's the Last Jedi. Um, I was expecting to learn who Ray was in this film. I was expecting to figure out who Snoke was. Um, and just kind of ex- explore the possibility of Rey becoming a Jedi. I think that was yeah. that was what I had just. It just seemed like the most logical was that she was. We know from the Force Awakens that she's she's found Luke, and that it was going to be her and her just her journey to becoming a Jedi, learning under Luke. That's really cool. I I came in with a lot of expectations too. I have a similar story to yours, of just hours and hours of speculation. An hour watching tons of YouTube videos, trying to figure it all out, you know. And uh, it was a it was a fun couple years, like between the Force Awakens and this one, because I feel like the Force Awakens generally was positively received, and so everyone's kind of on a Star Wars high. Rogue mm. One was a lot of fun yeah, too, and gonna, yeah, Rogue One. And uh, so we're all on the Star Wars high. All these speculation videos are really fun to watch and everything. But I had a conversation with JD, one of my friends, who I saw it with, and I. And we discussed, like, laying your expectations at the door before you walk in. And that changed everything for me with this movie. I had all these series, all these things that I thought would be cool if this happened or this happened, if I got this answer or that answer. But ultimately, the movie is going to happen whether it's my theories or not. Yeah. And so, you know, I just I had to check my theories and my fan expectations and just lay them at the door and let the filmmaker tell his story and the thing that he yeah. wants to do with it, you know? Because there, there is a positive, I think, that can be to having expectations yeah. and, like, thinking you know what you want it's, out of a movie. It's really fun to theorize about and things. And if it gets rewarded, like, for me and my friends, we had, we had almost had the end game plot nailed down. Yeah, same like, here. Yeah. We, we, knew, we knew the basic gist. I mean, there was, there was obviously some things that we weren't going to see that we didn't see that we thought were going to happen, but, like... It was, like, so rewarding to be like, all right, this is going to happen and this is going to happen and then, like, watching it unfold on screen just as you imagine. And sometimes it's fun, too, to have the rug 
pulled out from underneath you mm-hmm. of like, okay, they yeah. were going in this direction and now they're going in this direction. I don't know where they're going to take it. And I have no idea because I didn't have any theories or any expectations of what they're about right. to do right now. Cause I didn't even think about this. You know? mm-hmm. So I think that's a fun part of it too. But yeah, there's definitely some, some, some wisdom to just letting, letting, taking the film in as it is and instead of like taking it in as what it isn't, you know? Yeah. Cause if you're expecting it to be something and it isn't that you don't want to like, you don't want to think of it lesser just because it wasn't what you personally wanted. Okay, I think we'll talk a little bit more about this at the end, but I kind of want to get your general feeling. When you walked out of the movie theater, what was your first reaction or the first thing you said or the the, the first feeling you got after you walked out after the movie was over? I thought it was good. I think, I mean, there was definitely some things that I was confused about um, and that I was sad about that I, and things that I would have wanted to go differently. But overall I thought, okay, that was a good movie. Um, and then I called my, I called my best friend after we saw it separately. Yeah. Um, and he was like, dude, that is the worst movie I've ever seen. He's like, I can't, I can't believe what they did to Luke Skywalker. I can't believe all this is like such a, like a weird plot. And there's this like, like subplot that makes no sense. And it was just like, I kind of felt like I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was like the greatest film ever. Um, but I walked out of it with generally positive views, but most of the, that I still have, but there was a lot of like, yeah, this was good. And like, I don't know, whenever I see a film like this, I I need some time to like think through it. And like, I take like a solid, like two hours that evening, mm-hmm. just like sitting in my room, just like half watching YouTube videos about it. And the rest mm-hmm. just like thinking about it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought it was good. I, I didn't think it was great. Sure. I didn't love it, but like I definitely wasn't thinking it was like the worst Star Wars film by any, by yeah. any means. So for me, I came out of this movie fist pumping. I felt like I had just walked out of an of an almost spiritual level <laughs> emotional high, and nothing. I was smiling the whole walk back to the car. I was on cloud nine. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Well, not ever, but I thought it was great, fantastic. My phone was broken. So I had no contact for like two days with anybody else who saw the movie besides mm. the people I saw it with. Right. And so I didn't know that people didn't like the movie. Like, you know, yeah. like you yeah, had that conversation uh-huh. with your best friend. Most yeah. of the people I saw mm-hmm. it with really liked it. I didn't know about the the Rotten Tomatoes user score. I didn't know mm. that people on the internet were going off about this movie. I thought I was just in my own little world. I was like, this is this is amazing. This is so a great it, Star it, Wars. It kind of sat with you as like, oh, this is freaking awesome. Yeah, you know? I was like, I can't believe everyone's gonna love this movie, man. It was so cool. And then come to find out, though, a lot of people really hate this movie. <laughs> they, yeah, they and, do. And that was really hard to take. Like when I saw it, I was almost taken aback of like. I don't know how we saw the same movie. And mm. uh, it was just very interesting. And over the years, I felt like my opinion on this movie, like I couldn't talk about it because, you know, some troll or whatever is going to tell me my opinion's wrong. And if you hate The Last Jedi, I'm not going to get mad at you. Like I understand the reasons why. No. But the reasons you hate it are some of the reasons I love it. So it's, I'm never going to hate you for your movie opinion. But I felt like on the internet, like if I said anything nice about it, I would be ridiculed for it. Right, yeah. but I think that comes back to the expectations because my dad, as I mentioned, is like Star Wars ignorant. Yes. And he walked out of it. 
I mean, he says this about most every movie. Yeah, it was pretty good. But this one is particularly, he was like, oh, yeah, that was a good movie. Like, he didn't, like, as I think as a movie itself, it works well. But with the expectations, yeah. it can either be amazing or horrible. So let's kind of dive into the movie then and talk about why people have had this reaction, why I love it, why you kind of like it, and also maybe why people absolutely hate it and think it's the worst Star Wars movie ever. Uh, but before we dive in, I just want to... A couple things off the top. This Star Wars movie is beautiful to look at. Oh, yeah, and stunning. It's I watched it in 4K when I was back at home, and it blows me away every time I watch it. It's beautiful to look at. It's well shot. Take all the story elements out of it. It's a fun Star Wars movie to look at and to oh, watch yeah. unfold. At the very beginning, we basically just take off right from the second The Force Awakens ends. Right, which is not common for most Star Wars movies. No, usually there's a time gap mm-hmm. there in between. So that that kind of threw me off guard because lots of speculation videos I'd watched that were like, okay, sometimes time probably going to have passed. Yeah. But I think this has to do with the Ryan Johnson direction was just like, all right, we're just going to pick it up. Like yep. literally like they filmed the scenes back to back, right? Yep. And we get a, uh, a very cool opening space battle, I thought, uh, with Poe Dameron kind of leading the charge. He takes on the Dreadnought by himself for a while, and it's mm-hmm. really cool to look at him and BB-8 are doing their thing. It's really mm-hmm. fun. And the space bombers, I think, are really cool. Whether the physics on that work or not, I don't really care. <laughs> it's just really cool. Yeah. And um, so what were kind of your thoughts on that, that opening uh, space sequence and jumping right into this movie, really, without any setup or anything? I I think the that kind of... It really made Poe Dameron more of a hero in my mind. I think he was underused in Force Awakens, sure. personally. Which is because he was supposed to die when they crashed on Jakku yeah. in the original script. Okay, I didn't know and, that. And Poe Dameron, the act, Oscar Isaac the actor, mm. went to J.J. and said, Hey, I've been getting killed a lot in like my recent movies. Can you <laughs> not kill me? And so they wrote him back into the third act of the script. And kept his character going. So that's kind of why he's okay. not really into Force Awakens too much because he was supposed to die in the opening right. 10 But minutes. I liked him. So yeah. I wasn't upset at all. Yeah. Like, I, I was just anticipating, all right, they're kind of setting the, the three up as Ray, Finn, and Poe, and they're kind of like going to be that dyna- the di- that dynamic trio that Star Wars is known for. Um, and I think that, that space battle was just like, oh, this dude's like legit. Like, yeah. And it just kind of like opened up and just was like, oh, this movie's like, just, it's going at it, you know? It's, it like, it's not going to waste time. It, the, the, and I, yeah, so pretty, pretty thrown off by the fact that it started right away yeah. and that it just, did, and it, there was no time gap. But I think the opening scene was, was, I mean, gorgeous and it was a great yeah. space battle and had a lot going for it. I think it poses an interesting question that is posed throughout the movie. And you you brought it up when you were talking about Poe Dameron. And it's a question of what does it mean to be a hero? Because you see this Poe Dameron guy, this cocky, um, arrogant sometimes, Mm -hmm. but good cocky sometimes too, uh, take on the whole first order. And then we get the shot of Leia looking at the screens and you look at how many people were lost. And it's like, would the more heroic thing have been to not engage in that battle? Yeah. Or is the more heroic thing to engage? I mean, which is really developed throughout this film because there's this whole idea of like the resistance just dwindling, you know? And, and so it's like, like, like it's all about saving people in this, like 
the resistance is kind of on its last leg. We'll get into that more, obviously. But yeah, that's definitely a good point to bring up of like, would the more heroic thing of him not to just lose all those men, even though it resulted in, in a victory, you know? And I think almost every character goes through that in this movie on some level. Hmm. Luke definitely goes through it. Yes. Kylo does a little bit too. And Ray, I think, obviously, because of her training and all that kind of stuff, you definitely see it in her as well. So I think this question of what does it mean to be a hero and what does it look like when you mess up, I think those are two questions that are very pertinent and pressing throughout the movie. But also, mm. just a smaller note, John Williams' score on this, he's just flexing the entire <laughs> movie. It's yeah. its my favorite music of the sequel trilogy, probably. And it's awesome in this opening sequence. I was watching some of it earlier, and that's just one of the notes I took down. It's, man, John Williams is killing it on a score right away mm. with this movie. Uh, but then we get to Ray and Luke on the island, and we get the moment... I don't know how your theater reacted to this. Get the moment where Luke tosses a lightsaber over his shoulder. I could feel in that moment some of the people in my theater laughed at it because it's supposed to be funny. Right, it's comedic relief. And some people I felt like kind of eye-rolled at it. I personally thought it was funny, but I also thought it posed this other question about expectations of version. Mm. And why? And asked these questions about why is Luke here? Why is Luke on this island? Why did he retreat? Because The Force Awakens puts Luke here on this island. Yeah. Right? It's not The Last Jedi who makes Luke this person who hermit. retreats and hermit. It was The Force Awakens crawl Yeah, it says Luke Skywalker has vanished, you know. And and so we have all these questions about, you know, why is he here? Mm-hmm. Why would he retreat? You know, you don't retreat because you have things all figured out, right? Yeah. And, and I, I think that's very often attributed to, to Ryan Johnson is the, the just kind of like the way that Luke is in this film. Uh, but I think, yeah, like you said, The Force Awakens is really who set up this character of Luke that's not put together and is kind of like, does like is just like running from his problems. Yeah. So what did you think of the lightsaber toss? Uh, personally, for me, like, I, uh, I, when he did that, I was like, okay, this is a lot of my expectations are going to be subverted. Like, mm. what I thought was going to happen is not going to happen. Yeah. And it, And I had to be okay with that. And but what were what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I was expecting Luke to take on more of an Obi Wan role sure. in this film for Ray and kind of just like, all right, I'm here. Let's like let's do this thing. And I thought there was I think I thought that there was going to be a a different reasoning for him being uh, so far away. Um, and I, so I was really I, I was caught off guard when he threw it just because it's such a like a blatant disrespect of the Jedi Order. Yeah, and I was like, which oh. this whole movie is, and it and mm-hmm. it. It explains why later, but yeah, it definitely and is a, a Jedi need. The the light continues without the Jedi. Like there's a quote yeah. where he's training Ray. Ray's on the rock and doing our training, and he says the Force does not belong to the Jedi. To say that if the Jedi die, the light dies is vanity. Can you feel that? Like that's what this movie's about. Is that if the Jedi die, if the Resistance dies, the light and the hope does not die. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Yeah, the the lightsaber toss. Yeah, just kind of like a, a there's like there's a word people use where they kind of like they're breaking down their own their own personal like morality and kind of like yeah. re, it's deconstruction and yeah. reconstruction mm-hmm. of, of your of your morality. People toss the time to talk about it in the context of of religious faiths, but it's that kind of yeah that kind of idea that that like oh if like Luke Skywalker who's supposed to be the hope of this resistance is like 
tossing a lightsaber away. And I don't know, I, I don't recall, but you also see his X-Wing is buried yeah. in the water. And it's just kind of like this, oh, like, he is. He doesn't want anything to do with the Jedi right now, and he's he's kind of like abandoning that. And and we learn why later. But it, I think at this point in the film, when you're seeing it and you don't know it, and like looking back on it, it's hard to remember. But you don't know that we're gonna hear the backstory of him trying to start um, the new Jedi Order and everything that goes on wrong, on with Kylo, with yeah. Kylo Ren. And so like you're just thinking like, what is he doing? Like what? Like why is he like this? Yeah, is he trying is to pull it, a Yoda and confuse yeah. her? You know. <laughs> So, yeah, it definitely poses a lot of, a lot of different ideas, and we come into into this expecting, you know, Luke even says it like, "What do you expect me to do? Go out there with a laser sword and take down the First Order?" Mm-hmm. He almost, I felt like he was almost saying that to me, as someone in the audience of like, "That's not who I am." Like, why did you expect this of me? Which and is exactly what we, what a lot which of is people expected, expected yeah. him to do. You know, with the green lightsaber, go out and take down <laughs> the whole First Order, and we get yeah. a cool version of that, I guess, at the end mm-hmm. of the movie. But it's not the Luke that we expected. And I think that's okay. I, I'm personally a fan of what they end up doing with him. Um, but what do you think about the whole... We'll stay with Ray and Luke for a second. Of really just the whole training stuff in general. Um, when you were watching it in theaters or whatever. Like, what were you feeling? Like, did the training resonate with you? Was it not long enough? Like, some of those kind of ideas. Mm. Oh, but I want to go back. What you asked. Yeah, the theater kind of like was taken aback. And my theater was yeah. when, when he threw the lightsaber. Um, kind of similar to my reaction. Uh, but the training, I thought, um, was one of the, the weaker aspects of the film, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, I just kind of, I didn't know what was, like, I just felt like Luke was a little tweaked from what I had remembered him being growing up watching the original trilogy. Um, and so that for them to like, paint him as like the hope of the galaxy um and then for him to kind of be reluctant to even train this one girl who's like very obviously i mean if he's still in touch with the force he's going to be like all right there's something going on here um and i think that the training was unique i think i liked how she did the training with her staff that mm-hmm. was just kind of like like okay she's like still herself and she's just learning these new ways um but yeah i thought, I thought the training part was interesting um yeah. Yeah, I get you. And it's for me, I I enjoyed the training stuff I think more than you did. And a lot of it just has to do with the things that Luke tells her. Just about the force not being this power that the Jedi used to make things float, as Ray mm. says early on in the movie. Yeah. That it's something that's in everyone and through everyone and connects us, surrounds us, binds us, as Yoda says. Mm-hmm. And it's not obviously we don't hear midichlorians, but it's not it's not all based on your midichlorian count. Like mm-hmm. like I said earlier with that quote, like if the Jedi die, the force, the light that doesn't die with it, you know, it's it's carried on throughout. And so some of those lines from Luke really hit home with me and I think the mm-hmm. overall theme of the movie, which is which is the idea that you don't have to be special to make an impact or change the galaxy, which is something the Rise of Skywalker completely goes back on, which is yeah. something that really grinds my gears, but which we'll talk we about that. definitely talk about because, oh, I, I, lo- I love the idea that you don't have to be, you can just be anybody yeah. and be a part of the Force. Um, and, yeah, I did not, I hated the way that the Rise of Skywalker yes, handled yeah. that. That was, that was one of the strong points, in my opinion, uh, of this film, is that idea of, like, 
you don't have to be anybody. Yeah. To be different. Like the and we force see is that in everything. We see that not only in Ray, but also we see it in Rose, who mm. whether you hate her or not, that's why that's her function in this story. Is she's just a person on a ship who gets caught up in this adventure and yeah. there's nothing intrinsically special about Rose. Yeah. Other than that she's just available. You know? Yeah, and yeah. she is just like my, my my sister died for this. I want to like I just feel she just, she just had the sense of the force that she that she needed to do something. And yeah. I think I mean I have some some beefs with how her character was handled, but sure. I like the idea of that kind of character. Yeah, for sure. And we'll talk about the Canto Bite stuff later on, but for now let's transition into the Kylo Ren dynamic of the story. Mm-hmm. And I personally am a huge, 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 huge fan of Kylo Ren character. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what he was given to do in this movie. And I love this first interaction with him and Snoke where we see him in the throne room and they have this whole interaction and Snoke says to him, you're no Vader. You're just a child in a mask. Mm. And that's kind of where it hit home for me that the mask is just a character he's trying to play. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not really who Kylo Ren is. Mm -hmm. And we kind of get, Again, like you said, a deconstruction, reconstruction of the character. Like, Kylo Ren has to ask himself, you know, who am I under this mask? And what makes me me? And, like, mm-hmm. what makes me tick? Besides just putting on this mask and doing evil things. Right, which is which is teased in the in the infamous bridge scene with Han Solo. He's just kind of like, like, is this who you are? Like, and, yeah, I think that definitely the Kylo Ren story arc is the strongest in the, in the sequel trilogy, in I my agree. opinion. I agree. I think, I think it's just... The character development, Adam Driver's performance, everything is just like much more cohesive than a lot of the different elements of, of these films. Um, and I think particularly just that that struggle is like, it's just, it's, it's masterfully done. And, and Snoke says something that a lot of people were frustrated with in the first movie. I didn't personally have a problem with it because he got shot by Chewbacca. But everyone's like, how did Rey beat him in a lightsaber battle for the f- the first time she ever held a lightsaber, you know, mm-hmm. and then Snoke has a line where he's like, you were bested by a girl who had never held a lightsaber yeah. her whole life. You failed, you know, this failure, failure, failure is and so it, present. And, it's, and it's a moral failure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not an abilities. It was, it was, he was feeling the pull away from darkness. And so it's, it, it's weird talking about a moral failure as like going towards the good, but that's what it was. Yeah. It's For like him. He was, he was failing his evil ways and being pulled towards the dark. And that's, and that made him vulnerable to be beaten by Ray. And then we see him destroy his mask, which I think is kind of a a symbol of him just kind of giving in to that darkness and that, that evilness. And we see him have every chance in the world to turn to the good in this movie and consistently turn away from it. Mm-hmm. And he destroys it, and then he he's like prepare my ship or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go and have this big battle with the resistance. And then we get a, a moment in the movie, which I, when I saw it in the trailer, I was like, Kylo Ren, you better not kill princess Leia. Oh yeah. That. <laughs> and he has a chance to, and he doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. But then the sound cuts all the way out for a couple seconds. And then two TIE fighters come up next to him and take out the ship. And I was, I, I gasped. I was like, Ah, like <laughs> Princess Leia just died, you know, and yeah. it's like, oh, like what? Where do we go from here? And what just happened to Leia? And then we probably get the most contro, one of the more controversial moments in the movie, I think, 
is when Leia's out there and she uses the force to pull herself back to the ship. Yes. What were you thinking that moment? Do you remember how your theater reacted to that moment? And what were just your kind of general thoughts about that? So I think this was a confusing aspect of this of this film for me. Uh, I just was mentally very late to the game in the idea of, of Leia being able to use the Force. Which Episode Nine goes even further. Right. And so with the context of Episode Nine, it makes a lot more sense. But at the time, I was just kind of like, what? like, is she like, like, what's really going on here? Um, and I just thought it was just kind of like a fake out. Just... The Carrie Fisher had passed away before this movie came out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was just tr- trying to think. I was like, "Oh, is this where's like, is this like where they kill her off?" Because that's it. That just seemed awful early. Because I knew she had filmed her scene. Yeah. Um, and that seemed like a scene they could easily have CGI'd her into, you know, and 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 modified. But yeah, I. It was just very much like, holy crap, what just happened? Mm-hmm. I think. I, I don't think a lot of the people in my theater, because I didn't see it op- opening weekend, yeah. were as, like, invested into, like, these movies as much as I was. And so a lot of people were just, like, the general audience were just like, <gasps> like, oh, crap, like, she's going to die. And, like, most people, unless you've done extensive research into Star Wars, aren't going to, like, think that Leia would use the Force to pull her sure. back in. And so... I certainly but, never thought I'd see it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't either, but, like, it was much more out of the blue... Uh, for everybody else, I think, than people that had really, like, looked into Star Wars and, like, had some kind of gist of of her force sensitivity at the very least, you know? Yeah, this is another moment that really, really works for me. And I don't know how to describe it other than her theme kicks in, her Leia's theme, which is just freaking brilliant, and it makes me cry every time I hear it now. And it kicks in, and she's floating back to the ship, and... I was like, dang, Leia's really using the force. I wasn't thinking at the time, oh, man, that really looks like Mary Poppins. Or, like, <laughs> you know, like, I wasn't thinking about that in the moment. I was like, yo, Leia just used the force. And, like, yeah, I never thought I'd see that in a Star Wars movie, you know. And I thought that was just, like, a, a Legends deal, like, outside of canon kind of yeah. thing, you know. And then to see it on screen, like, really took, me, took my breath away for a second. And... Yes, I know now that she very much does look like Mary Poppins, and that's fine. But it doesn't take away from me from the magnitude of that moment. Mm-hmm. And for those characters to see her use the Force like that, like, they're like, oh, my gosh, like, go open the door. Like, she's coming back. Yeah, like, The look on all their faces is just so good. And, uh, again, the music just is great in that moment. Um, and I think Leia overall in this movie is far better than she was in Seven. And obviously, I think for unfortunate reasons, way better than she is in nine. Yes. So I think this is the best Leia we get in mm-hmm. the sequel trilogy. Uh, yeah, I thought. Yeah, she's so funny. Well. She's uh, witty. She's smart. She's she she feels she feels like a leader. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just like the way the way it's written and, and the way that scenes are shot. She just very much seems as a leader. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just something that you didn't get a ton of. In the, in the other movies, she's mm-hmm. kind of like she still seemed like a like a side like a side character in terms of the leadership of the rebellion, um, and so this film, yeah, I agree, is is a is a great version of her and shows her in that leadership role in a very effective manner. And then we we kind of get, I would say, I don't know if we want to dive. We'll dive into the Canto Bite stuff now and just toss it to the side. 
I really don't like the Canto Bite stuff. Hate it. Hate it. I think it's the worst part of the film. It's the worst part of the movie, for sure. There's no getting around it. I've seen this movie at least probably ten times at this point, and I just want to fast forward every time that part comes <laughs> up. It just doesn't work. And I think a lot of it just has to... They just wrote themselves into a corner of... of okay, this story ties eventually ties us into where we need to go. Mm-hmm. So we can't get out of it. <laughs> yeah. Know, like it's written. It's, we got to do it because it gets us to this point that gets us to this point. Mm-hmm. And there are some things about it that I do enjoy. I, I enjoy having a discussion about who's really good or bad in the galaxy. And there's this middle ground of people who kind of work for both. Yeah. And DJ, I think is his name, mm-hmm. uh, kind of shows them, shows Finn this hog, 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 Graham or something uh, on the table of like, okay, this ship used to belong to uh, an arms dealer. And you see that he's dealt with the the first order with the resistance. And Mm -hmm. I think some of that stuff is really cool, but there's also like this random animal rights storyline in there. I just, I think that the the points that are being trying to made, being made in this portion of the film is just better suited for a, for like a rogue one solo or like, yeah, honestly, Mandalorian, kind of like just like an offshoot, like it feels just, like a like, short film yeah, in the movie. It's like, like it's, it's, it's like so world different. building stuff, you know. That I think yeah. is just not what this film needed to do. Um, just I, yeah, it was just it just felt out of place and just very much like just weird. Yeah, and it, it was just it kind of just felt like a side quest on a video game almost. If, like, Maz Kanata shows up for 10 seconds, gives you your mission briefing, and then you go. That's <laughs> exactly what it seems <laughs> you like. You know what I mean? It's like, it just doesn't really work for me in the story. And every time it's on screen, I'm like, I just want to get back to Luke and Ray or Kylo or, you know, like, yeah. anybody else, really. And and this is this part of the film is just, is a, is a portion of my negative perceptions of the character of Rose Tico, just because... I don't know. She just like, like every like I just cringe like visit like physically cringe every time she's like, just let the animals go. Yeah. And it just uh, she I just associate like I know Finn's there, but I I know Finn from a lot of other things, yeah. you know. And so I just don't associate him with that as much. But her, it's just like that's all you. I have, just right? I I just can't get uh, my. I just can't. It's like a giant cinder block in front of my eyes. I can't see past this yeah. horrible aspect of a film that she's in. Uh, yeah. She's like the like one of the main characters in. So and it, it kind of stinks because Finn was one of my favorite parts of The Force Awakens, and I felt like he kind of got shortchanged mm-hmm. in this movie. And some people say that he had a better role in Episode Nine, but personally, I think he got shortchanged again. Um, but. Finn still gets to do some cool stuff later, I think, in this yeah. movie. But this this Canto Bite sequence, the chase, everything about it, it just feels like a different movie. Like, yeah, I, it just doesn't fit, you know. And it it's just it's just honestly for someone who loves this movie, and it's two and a half hours, so twenty minutes of a two and a half hour movie doesn't ruin it for me. But it is something I could have done without, and yes. it is something that. Honestly, I just wish was like a deleted scene, ten minute short film. Yeah, know, right? I think that's the big thing. Is it? It really could have been shorter. Yeah, it didn't need to be as long as it was. 
And it could have, and it's not like it necessarily had to have been like that either. Like that's it. that was a creative decision made by the directing team that like it's like like you you have to get this code breaker so that he can he can make the next step next plot of the movie move forward. Yeah. But it's like you, you just could have done that in so many different better ways, in my opinion. I agree, and fortunately, you don't stay there forever. You eventually leave, and. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the Ray and Kylo, uh, someone dubbed it the force time thing they do, mm. um, where, they, time, where, right? they, where <laughs> they connect with each other yes. via the force. And this is one of the things, in episode nine, they really do a lot of things in disservice to this movie. But one of the things that they expound upon and make really, really cool, I thought, in episode nine was mm. this force time yes. connection. And so what did you think about their connection via the Force, and did you buy it? I thought it was some of the more – I thought it was a creative way to get the two of them together without them physically being together. Yeah. For them to have Be- together. Yeah, I think that was – I thought I thought it was, it was cool, and it just, like, really brought in – it just really symbolized the, the, the light and dark balance and, like, the, the struggle, the constant struggle in this film that's developed – First with with Ray and she goes into the cave and Luke's like, oh, you didn't even try to stop yourself from going to the dark side. And then Kylo being with Snoke having being told like, oh, you're feeling too much. You're, you're, you're feeling pulled to the light side. You got bit bested by this girl. And so they're both just kind of put at this awkward spot where they are feeling tugs from both sides. And yeah. and they're in, they're in the in the same boat, like their character arcs are very similar. Um, and so just like them like getting to interact and the plot obviously made it so that they couldn't actually just have a conversation mm-hmm. um which i don't i don't think they sh- they should have worked the plot so that they could have because that wouldn't have made much sense no. um but yeah it was it was a unique way to get to see these characters develop outside of slashing swords at each other and you kind of see the the real genuine care that they do have for each other yeah i think, and, I think and whether especially it's good intentions Ray, or not you know it's mm-hmm. From Kylo's point of view, like yeah. he's like to care for her would be to turn him to the dark side, and you know, for her it'd be to turn him to the light. And mm-hmm. so you do see this like, I, I really want you to be on my side, and not just because you're powerful, yeah. but because of the person you are. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's very much like you. You just feel that 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 longing for for to to team up a lot more uh, through these scenes, which is scenes. paid off excellently in this movie. Yes. And I would also say in episode nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is cool to kind of see their dynamic together. And it's just this whole dynamic of who will turn who. Like, that's kind of what's presented. They both make their cases throughout this movie. Of, you know, I, I've seen the future. You will turn with me. And Kyle's like, no, nah, I've seen it. You're going to turn to me and like, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And and then we kind of get these this scene where we find out what really happened between Luke and Kylo. And we see in the Force Time connection that Kylo tells Rey his point of view of what happened uh, with Luke. And mm-hmm. and then we get to see Luke's point of view of what happened. And either way, Luke screwed up. I, mm-hmm. I, that's not... Yeah, Luke is in the wrong. Even when Luke tells his side, he knows it's failure and mm-hmm. that he failed as a master. Yeah, that, that's never in doubt. Uh, and I don't think the two stories are that far apart from each other in principle uh, from what Kyle saw versus what Luke saw. Luke had a fleeting moment of darkness mm-hmm. 
and and Kyler just happened to see it. Like that's just yeah. kind of what happened. And so for you who had idolized Luke Skywalker growing up as a big Star Wars guy, how did seeing Luke tell this story affect you emotionally in the theater when you saw it for the first time? It's it it was not enjoyable. <laughs> I I personally one one of my big one of my bigger complaints about this movie is the handling of Luke Skywalker. And I think that's a lot of people's negativity towards this film is is their handling of, of Luke Skywalker. And just like having to see your hero like torn down is just it's hard to watch. It, it's hard to watch. It wasn't it, it I mean it wasn't designed to be a fun scene to watch and it wasn't. Uh and and, and it yeah, it was just very just difficult to like realize, oh, he's in the wrong. And like I'd already at the time watching the film for the first time I was like, okay, like he's already kind of abandoned it and you knew there was something up with Luke. Mm-hmm. You know, that you knew that there there that he had to do something. He didn't like Force Awakens says he vanished, but there had to be something that prompted that. It wasn't just out of the blue because I mean, Luke's not a bad person, you know. Yeah. And so he wouldn't just just ditch the resistance and let them like suffer while he just is off partying somewhere mm-hmm. you know there has to be something like deep within himself that just kind of felt broken in a moment um and so it, it, it like it makes sense but it was just kind of like oh, would luke skywalker really have like just tried to kill Kylo? you know yeah. and it, i don't know it, it was very confusing for me yeah it's a very i think it's, in some ways it's supposed to be confusing just because you're that is your hero mm-hmm. at one point who you know has vanished and you know have, has had to do something to be in this spot and to want to vanish and to want to abandon the Jedi mm-hmm. and the Force. And just to see that happen on screen is really troubling. And it and it's not like we haven't seen Luke conflicted with darkness before. Yeah. I think the shot of him looking at his lightsaber before he kills or. or doesn't kill, obviously, or even to. attempt to kill Ben Solo. Um, it's very, very, very reminiscent to me of when he cuts off Vader's hand in Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. and is about to kill him, and he looks at his hand yeah. and throws the lightsaber away. So it's not like we yeah, haven't that, that's seen... that's definitely a callback that's that very reminiscent. We It's not like we haven't seen Luke conflicted with dark side emotions or darkness before but ultimately we have this idea of luke being this pure hero who saves the galaxy and like all this stuff so so to see him go through that and abandon all of it is very disheartening and disturbing and Mm -hmm. not fun to watch but then we get a scene after ray kind of goes away and yoda shows up which this might be a hyperbole but this is my favorite scene in all of Star Wars. Wow. The Luke and Yoda scene in this in this movie. This is my favorite scene in all of Star Wars. And it Yoda's dialogue in this sequence almost makes me cry every time I see it. I I don't know what it, what it is. Uh, I have some of it here. Uh, when Luke uh, tries to burn down the Jedi Temple mm-hmm. or whatever, and Yoda sends a fire down on the tree... And he's like, ah, Skywalker, I missed you, have I? And just the next few lines of dialogue, Luke's yelling out about the sacred Jedi texts, and Yoda's like, read them, have you? Page turners, they were not. And it's just, it's humorous. But then there's this line that 
shakes me to my core. Yoda tells Luke, pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, but also weakness, folly, failure. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher of failure is. That line, I just got chills saying it out loud. It's, yeah. it's just really good stuff from Yoda in a moment of crisis for Luke. Mm-hmm. Where all he feels is his failure and his guilt mm. and his shame for his past. And what he did with Ben and the, trying to rebuild the Jedi Order. And Yoda's like, dude, like, learn from that. Yeah. Pass on failure. That is this powerful. You know, it, it's a really powerful sequence to me. So what did you make of the, the, the sequence with Yoda? And what were your feelings in the, in the theater when you saw him show, show up? Because they show him from, like, the back first. And mm-hmm. then, like, oh, it's Yoda. It felt like a return to form, you know. Because yeah. um, there's just this struggle that's developing in Luke. And then it's just, like, insecurity about who he is. Mm-hmm. And so... Just going back to when he, because uh, I recently rewatched Empire, the best Star Wars film. It's great, and <laughs> and just like, just how amazing the relationship between Yoda and Luke develops, and and just like the wisdom that Yoda brings, um, it just kind of make made Luke, who's supposed to like be this Yoda figure now, it brings him back down to the Padawan level, yeah. you know, and he just realizes he's like, yeah, like I still have a lot to learn, and like, and like. His, it's almost like his story's not done being told, even though he feels like a failure, you know? And yeah, yeah, so that, I thought that that was helpful. At the time, I was still frustrated with the way Luke was True. going about things. Yeah. And so I was just kind of, it, it just kind of missed me the first time. Yeah. Um, but with rewatches and, and more information being brought to light, I've been come to enjoy that scene a lot more. Yeah. And Yoda leaves Luke with this line. Luke, we are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. And then Yoda's theme plays, and we get the amazing... I want it framed somewhere on my wall. We get this amazing shot of the two of them sitting together, watching the fire. And it's something about it is just so powerful to me. I think it goes back to what you said about Empire and their relationship mm-hmm. and all that he has taught Luke along the way. And so to see the two of them together and to see Yoda pass on this information to Luke about failure, this message about failure, when Yoda has experienced it himself yeah, in the prequels and, and all that kind of stuff, is, is really moving to me. Yeah, and to think of Yoda, who we just see as this kind of like, he's the head of like the Jedi Order in the prequels, and he's like, he's like your go-to guy for all Jedi wisdom. Mm-hmm. And for him to just like also disregard these texts. And I believe he says at one point, I'll bring I'll bring that up in a second. But it was very like, oh, just this idea we were talking about earlier of like, oh, the force like it exists beyond the Jedi, yep. you know, and like for for Yoda to be to be a force ghost to be like moved on past his 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 mortal time, it's just kind of like, oh, like he's just like has a new perspective and like, I mean, you even see that less and less when mm-hmm. he's training Luke. He focuses more on the just like the pra- practical aspects of of using the force and being one with the force as opposed to teaching them the, the strict Jedi rules. And so that's a development that I think is really unique and is very cool. So the the resistance is, after the sequence, we see the resistance continually trying to pull away from the First Order. They're running out of light speed stuff and they're trying to figure out a way out. But then we get probably the most gripping 
sequence in the movie between Ray and Kylo and Snoke mm. in the throne room. I watched that scene today. <laughs> it, it is visually arresting, number one. The, the, the set is completely real. They built all of it. And Which I appreciate all of, very much. All of the redness and all just complete red and the three of them in that room together. It's, it's just so... It, that, the whole scene is great. And obviously when they fight together, it's great too. But mm-hmm. there are some quotes I wanted to bring up that I, th- I think are just really cool. Snoke at one point says, darkness rises and light to meet it. And he says, you know... Kylo, as you get stronger, Ray would also get stronger. Mm-hmm. And we can talk more about the dyad at some point in the Rise of mm-hmm. Skywalker, which is a very weird uh, Star yeah. Wars term that I still don't really understand. But they, he kind of present, presents it to him here. And he says, it was I who bridged your minds. Which, after seeing the Rise of Skywalker, was it, though? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I really want to dive in. We'll go through the scene, but just how the Rise of Skywalker affects, particularly this scene, I think is very important. And Kylo says, I know what I have to do, which is kind of reminiscent of in The Force Awakens. He says, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if that's strength to do it. And Snoke says something that is kind of ironic. He says, I see your mind. I see your every intent. And he does, but he has it misplaced. He thinks his intent is for Ray, but the intent is actually to kill Snoke, not mm-hmm. to kill Ray. And he doesn't. Snoke doesn't even think that that's possible. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He thinks, oh, of course he's gonna kill Ray. He he's my dog. Yeah, he's, I'm his master. And then this is my favorite theater moment in the whole movie when Kylo turns that lightsaber and ignites it. The the gasp in the room. And my jaw hit the freaking floor. <laughs> I was like, they just killed Snoke. Yeah, because he's just he's posed to be the next emperor. Yeah, which he's posed to be the big bad of this of this trilogy, you know? Yeah. And we can get more into like the answers we did and didn't get when it comes to Snoke, but in this movie. Uh, but I think this is just a really it was just a really awesome moment of expectation subversion for me. I thought Snoke was going to be this big bad, but then when the, when he cut him in half, I was like, okay, so that's that was his purpose was his he was only there to serve Kylo's character development and Kylo's character growth. Yeah, not to be the big bad of this trilogy. Yes, and when Rey catches the lightsaber, and the Star Wars or the Force theme is playing, and they get up, look at each other, and then go back to back. Uh, chills, oh. I, chills just thinking about it. So what was that moment like in the theater for you? We'll, we'll get into the whole fight in a second. But just that that sequence leading up to the, him killing Snoke and, and then once he does, like, your reaction to that. I looked to my dad when that scene happened. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm leaning forward, forward, and more in my seat. Yeah. Um, I'm, like, basically kissing the person in front of me's head. <laughs> um, I'm just like, I'm like, holy crap, this is intense. Like, stunning, obviously. And then he gets cut in half. And I'm just... And I just go, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just look at him and I go, Whoa! and yeah. my dad's like, I don't really know who this this tall <laughs> yeah. morph dude who is. Look, who looks phenomenal in this movie? The CG oh. they did on him for this movie is yeah. incredible. But, um, but I, I'm just thinking, oh man, this is crazy. And then all the the red, the, this is guard, the, the imperial guards, yeah, whatever the Praetorian guards. Then they're just like, 
and then Ray catches lightsaber, and I'm just like, oh, man. And I thought this was the team-up moment for Ray and Kylo. And it is in a way. It is in a way, but, like... Their ideologies are still so Their different. ideologies are still very different. But, like... And you don't realize that until after the scene, but they're fighting, and then they kind of split. But, like, the oh, man, the incredible fight, action. The fight... I, you know, if you want to pick apart the fight and be like, oh, well, someone could have easily jumped in and killed them. Or you like, can do that you in can, any you can, action film. You can film. nitpick that all you want. But when I, every time I watch it, I don't think about that. No. It looks great. It, the Ray has some really cool action moments where, you know, she drops the lightsaber then cuts the dude and she throws it to Kylo and he clicks on it and gets the dude the face. And it, there's just some really cool action moments in this scene. And it's really cool to see the two of them fight together. And there's mm-hmm. something I notice here that Ray does, and it has to be very intentional from Ryan Johnson who wrote the script. She never calls him Kylo Ren, and like throughout, it's always Ben. It's always Ben. It's always Ben. And I think that strikes him to his core a little bit, to his humanity about him. And Ray has always seen through the Kylo Ren thing, mm. like that's not who you are. You're Ben Solo, you know, and. So I was when I was rewatching the scene. I just noticed that when she throws, she says Ben and not Kylo when she throws the lightsaber to him, and mm. I just thought that was a cool little note. Um, but yeah, it's a great scene. Is there anything else you want to add to that scene? Like it's just oh, I just think I, it's it's my it's probably it's the high point for me in this film. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like the the shock value of Snoke dying. Yeah. Because coming to this movie, you want to know who he is, and then we don't find out, and then he's dead. You know, and so you just you realize the lack of significance that holds, and that like mm-hmm. the whole focus of this is is Kylo and Ray. Yeah, and it kind of just like it narrows in the scope of everything, and it's like yes, it's about the resistance, yes, it's about First Order, but like it's really with, about the two of them. Yeah, with Snoke out of the way, and then you realize that they're still very different, Ray and Kylo, and they're not like teaming up and like all right, we're gonna just like rule, we're gonna rule the galaxy together for the good, you know. Um, then you realize it's like, oh, like, like this is this is Ky- like Kylo's next. Like this is his this is yeah. his his order now, you know. And it just it, it brings to light like, okay, Kylo's not second in command anymore. No, you no, know? he saw power and seized it. And we see the two of them get up and try to fight for the lightsaber, and you know, it gets split in half. And as it gets split in half, as Finn and Rose are about to get executed while this is going on. Mm-hmm. We get the Holdo maneuver, which, which in the theater. So when I worked at, the, I was working at the movie theater when this movie came out. We had to put out this like advisory warning for the for the light speed ramming sequence, and it was like there will be like twenty seconds of silence in the movie, and it's like on purpose. <laughs> and uh, that whole light speed ramming thing. Number one, I thought it should have been Leia who did it. Number mm. two. It's really, it really does kind of take my breath away every time I see it. And I know there's a, there's the, why hasn't anyone done that before? Or whatever, yada, yada, yada. For me, it didn't matter in that moment. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a self-sacrifice on a scale I a had la- never a la- seen A before. last ditch for all the marbles, you know? Yeah. It's, it's backs against the wall. It's, it's the Luke, it's the Luke Skywalker shot in the Death Star. One in a million chance, you know? It's like, you just have to go for it. Yeah. And she does, and it goes silent for 15 to 20 seconds. And just seeing, you know, the 
Finn and Rose obviously avoid execution because of it, and Kylo and, and Ray fall down and get knocked out or whatever, and then they get back up, and then the chaos ensues again. So what do you think about the, uh, the, I think they call it episode nine, the Holdo maneuver? Uh, what do you think about the light speed ramming in that movie? And how did it feel in theater with the silence? It's just kind of like this surreal moment where you're like, wait, why hasn't anybody thought of that? Yeah, and just and it's just kind of the silence is. It reminds me very much of when I first saw the film Gravity, mm. and all the explosions and stuff are happening, but it's silent mm-hmm. in space. Um, and just kind of like, you're just so dialed in on the details of what's happening mm-hmm. because you don't have the sound to think about, and so you're just kind of watching this all unfold. Stunning, obviously, as as most of the the work in this film is. Um, but I I was de- I was definitely. It was just, it was very, it, it was like a lot of aspects of this film. And I feel like I keep using this film, but it was confusing for me. Just sure. like the aspect of like how that actually worked and and the, the logistics of it. But also I appreciated the fact that it was like, oh, this is like really the last hope for the mm-hmm. rebellion, you know? Yeah. And I had not, when you said, oh, it should have been, it should have been Leia. I was like. Yeah, it should have been, and it's totally a hindsight deal. It's just because mm-hmm. it's just because Carrie Fisher had died, and you know, I didn't know how they're gonna do it at nine. So I was like, "Well, that self-sacrifice death would have been pretty powerful." Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, not that it makes it, not that it makes the sacrifice in the film any less no, less, no, no. less powerful, but no. yeah, but it really brings another sense of, of just like. This is like this is everything, you know. Because mm-hmm. if, if she hadn't done that, then it's, it's game over, you know. Because they were starting to fire on mm-hmm. the transports and everything. Yeah, and so after that, we get to crate, and crate looks beautiful. Oh yeah. I don't know who came up with this idea, but the the salt, the red salt, or the or the red underneath the salt. Mm-hmm. When they're like going through the ships and they're and all the shots are firing on it, all the reds kicking up and everything, it looks phenomenal. And so, what are your thoughts on the Battle of Crate and kind of the third act here, which kind of feels a little anticlimactic mm. in some ways, given what we had just watched in the throne room sequence? Yeah. Um, similar, I guess, to Return of the Jedi and how the, you know after the throne room scene they still have to blow up the Death Star and all that kind of stuff, mm. but. Uh, what do you think about crate and and that, and that whole sequence? It just it like I I wanted to think of it as Hoth, yeah, but it wasn't. No, yeah, it's not. you know like it, like visually you think that way because of all of the white, um, but like then but then also I guess with the red you just kind of see oh this is like this is not a place of life this is a place mm. of like of like fear and death and I think that's what they're going at is like. The closer that the First Order gets to the base, the more and more red is revealed. Yeah. And the more and more you're just like, oh, crap. Like, And it just looks cool. And, and it looks <laughs> it looks crazy cool. I remember seeing that in the trailer and just being amazed. But, um, yeah, you just really, like, this This film just does a really good job of demonstrating the just how weak the rebellion is, you know, and how necessary it is for for Luke to kind of be like, and how necessary it was for them to, to kind of, I don't even know how to put it, but for him to just be there and be that hope because they're just kind of losing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And they didn't have a lot to go off of and it just seemed like it was the end. And so 
this this last scene you're just kind of like there's just this very somber mood going on in the base as they're trying to get all these old things fired up and getting prepared and trying to get mm -hmm. the, the the blast the, the blast door closed in time to for this battle and it's just kind of it's disheartening because you're realizing like the side you're rooting for i hope yeah. is is seeming like they're about to take and, an l you know and at this point kind of what you touched on at this point there's like 10 people left it feels like yeah it does not seem like they have enough to to manage this at all which when all hope seems lost we're disheartened and finn we think we're about to lose finn via self-sacrifice and rose comes in and knocks him out and i think she has a great line that i feel like people forget just because of the the awkward fan girl kiss that she gives oh, finn gosh but i think the line she says right before that is really important and she says this is about it's not about fighting what we hate it's about saving what we love mm. and i think it's a really great line that yeah. if the kiss would not have been there i think fans would have remembered fondly yeah and not negatively I really think you take out, you make the cannabis the cannabis sequence better, and you take out that kiss and the perception of Rose is. And Finn does not cute. reciprocate the kiss at all. If you watch the scene over. And no, over but again, it, it, which I mean, it would have been better if he had, I think, mm. just because it, it just makes for this like really awkward moment that just seems out of place in this like self-sacrificial mm. moment of like saving what I like, and just like this idea of like her loving him maybe and yeah. him kind of like not reciprocating it just seems out of again just seems out of place in the context of this film but the and, first if they, order, and if it had ended and if her her moment had yeah. ended with with that it's not about beating what you hate it's about saving what you love like mm -hmm. it would have been much more powerful and put yeah. a lot more positive spin also and, if she had died yeah <laughs> she might as well have because episode 9 just basically writes around her right but then the they fire on the on the first order's uh, base, their hideout, and then after all hope seems lost, Luke Skywalker, or what we think is Luke Skywalker, comes through the door, and we get this really really tender and sweet moment between him and Leia. Hmm. That is just great. Uh, Leia's theme is playing in this moment, and Luke gives her a kiss on the forehead. I just thought it was great. And then he walks through the blast. And we get another phenomenal shot of Luke standing against the entire First Order and all their mm. walkers. And I think we get a really funny moment where Kylo Ren is like, fire every single weapon we have on yeah. that man. <laughs> and just the hate and vitriol that He's he just has like, I know what this dude's capable of, everything we got. Yeah. And then after they fire on him and nothing happens, I was kind of like, okay, something's up. Mm. Number one, he doesn't look the same as he did before. His hair is different and his robes are different. Like, it's all, it, he looks very different. It's still Luke, obviously, but it looks different. So it, you're kind of like, something's probably up. And then Kylo goes down there himself. And there's this really cool visual detail. I don't know if you've picked it up or not. But when Luke moves across the the salt there's, His, there's no, no red, red trail there's yeah. no red trail and when kylo does there is i think it's a really cool visual thing and if they created the salt and the red stuff just for that i think it's really cool yeah um and we realize that luke isn't isn't really there he's just a force projection and and probably one of the one of the more jedi things i've ever seen and we may disagree about this we may not 
it him not doing what not actually being there and violently taking down the first order is to me more of what a jedi should be about than showing up cutting heads off and taking names and yeah and then leaving so I thought the force projection thing was really cool. I don't know what did you make of Luke in that in that third act, and what were you thinking in the theater when it happened? It wasn't until my second viewing where I really understood what was going on in that time. Mm-hmm. The initial viewing, I didn't I didn't pick up on the detail of the salt. I, um, I I didn't I didn't understand that he was a force projection, and I was just kind of again confused at this movie, uh, and so I think. I don't know. It was just very... It was just... It, I, I do agree with your point that it was much more of a Jedi way to, to to take to take it on in a more peaceful way that isn't just, like, killing a bunch of people. And I mm-hmm. think... Um, there's, there's a lot of truth in that. But I just... I don't know. It just wasn't what I had wanted. And I think that's yeah. my that's my personal issue with this movie. Uh, which is probably misguided, but that just, like, it wasn't what I wanted from Luke. And I just, I wanted him to be there, and I wanted him to, to head the resistance with Leia. Um, I think I think there's a lacking, I, I, I loved this, I loved the scene, his scenes with Leia, but I think that in this trilogy, those are lacking in a severe way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that I would have, I would have loved to see more developed, and I think could have been a very powerful aspect, but, uh, but there's a lot of different aspects that went into that. So, but yeah, I, I, it was, it was, it, it felt fitting, but it also felt frustrating. Sure. I get some of that. The first time I saw it too, I didn't really get it. Second time I, I did finally grasp it and what, what Luke was actually doing. And in some ways I really wanted Luke to actually be there. Mm-hmm. I, I very much wanted Luke to actually be there. But to see him do something in the force that I had never seen before, that I had never knew was possible really just spoke to me about the character of Luke and just how powerful he really is in that, yeah. in that moment. And I'm like you. I wish we would have gotten more scenes throughout this trilogy with all three of our original characters together. We didn't get any. Yeah. Um, and I wish we could have. But I do appreciate the moment they did give Luke and Leia at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it is a it is a hard thing because I think everybody in their heads wants Luke to show up with his laser sword and take down the First Order. You know? Yeah. Like he says at the beginning. And to that, you want him to, you want his character ending to be in glory. Yeah. And it is, but it's just not how you expect it to happen. Yeah. He does get the twin son send off, which is beautiful and it really works. And yeah. It, 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 it's, it's how it should have been. But I don't know. I just feel like I would have, I just feel like I wanted him to be there and I wanted him to fight and be, and do stuff with the force that we hadn't seen in a more yeah. present way sure. that that just would have felt more like a sacrifice. Yeah. And or would have felt more like he was in it, in it for something, you know. Yeah. After all that, we get uh to see the the what's left of the resistance altogether on the Falcon. And we get to see the Falcon come in briefly. We get this really funny moment with Kylo Ren, like, I hate that ship. You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, please knock that ship out of the sky. And it's really funny, just Kylo's hatred for the Falcon and everything it stands yeah. for and represents, but also 
um, really pushing against his father. It's it's really cool for me to see all of those characters on that ship, but also it hurts to see who's not on it mm. with Leia and Han and Luke all not on board, you know. And but it's also in a way it's cool just to see all these new characters that I do genuinely care about, whether it's Finn, Poe, Ray, like go yeah. down that list of people I do care about who are new characters on that ship. Uh, but it also sucked to not see those the three original characters, original trilogy characters, together on the Falcon like it was in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the movie was going to end there. You know, we see Leia hold Ray's hand and tell her, you know, we've got all we need, and you know, we'll fix the lightsaber kind of deal. And Finn, uh, Poe and Ray meet for the first time at the end of the film, which I didn't really realize until I was like. Oh yeah, they haven't met yet. Yeah, they, <laughs> you know, like, you don't they've really been in lots of the same circles, but not have, have not met. Yes, and I thought that was the end of the movie, and then we go back to Canto Bite, and this drives home I think the whole point of the movie. Mm-hmm. We see the Broom Kid, which I don't know why people have been theorizing that the Broom Kid is like going to get his own trilogy, or like I didn't make anything out of it. No, I, other than this is another person in the galaxy who's probably not related to anybody special, but has a force and is inspired by the stories of Luke Skywalker, by the resistance, by the rebellion. And he flips his little ring on and he holds the broom and he looks to the stars. Similar to probably how I did at one point when I was a kid. And you just realize the point of the movie is that anybody can, can be a part of this galaxy and hope will always live on regardless and right. i think it was a really cool moment a really cool way to end the movie it would have been even cooler if i had enjoyed the canto bite stuff before right. but regardless you know I yeah think the, it was the, cool. the, the broom kid is awesome and i i love the narrative and i and i there's a lot of my beef with the rise of skywalker um is is how it backtracks on this narrative that ryan johnson tried to push what i think is awesome is that you don't have to be you don't have to be somebody special yeah. like and that the force is out there and that people will be inspired by the heroic acts of the rebellion and mm-hmm. it will cause them. Which, I mean, the, the Red Skywalker just touch on a fair, like, slightly, but I think it just mishandles it with the with the main characters, which I, I would love to talk more more about how the Rise of Skywalker affects this film. But, yeah, that, that that's an awesome scene, and it just, like, really summarizes the the ideas of this film and, and the direction for it very well. And I think it's, it, it saved a lot of the movie because coming out of it, I was upset about Luke. No. I mean, I, I just really felt like it was, he was mishandled at the time. Um, didn't care for Rose one bit, still don't much. Um, but like just to see that there's this hope at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. And like this movie that's, that's not, I mean, it, it's not a happy ending to have a, to have a, a, a spot of hope that's just like that doesn't have to be anything just like as just as just to show us as the viewer that there's that it's still out there is just awesome yeah i agree and i mean that's pretty much the movie we've walked through it and talked what we what we loved about it what we didn't um if you when i initially came out of this movie i gave it i th- believe my review on facebook was like a nine and a half out of ten i really loved it um if you had to give it a rating now out of, we'll say five stars, um, if you had to give it a rating out of five, what, what, where would you land with it? I would say I'd give it a three and a half. Yeah, that's a fair score. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a phenomenal 
I, I think it's a fine movie as its own. I just don't think it does a phenomenal job of, of pushing forward the narrative of the Skywalker saga in a way that I wanted. Gotcha. Or in the way that I think would have been fair. best. And so that's why I, I put it somewhat low. Um, in in my Star Wars like tier list, I have it. Uh, it's it's my sixth sixth of nine in the Skywalker saga. Um, gotcha. And then it would have been seventh in all in all Star Wars films. Okay. Um, so I I like this movie. I think there's a lot of good parts about it. Um, I don't think it's the worst film in the trilogy, and I don't think it's the worst film in Star Wars. Uh, but I think it's still very far from the best. I would probably give it anywhere from four and a half to four point seven five. Like I do have issues with it, but the issues with it don't take away from everything that I really love and enjoy. Mm. Uh, so let's kind of give our Star Wars rankings. Um, I did this not too long ago on a on a different show. Um, but I always love hearing people's Star Wars rankings. It's all very different in, in the way that people view movies and talk about movies. So we'll include the um, non-Skywalker saga movies okay. as well. So Solo and Rogue One. But so will we not be including Clone Wars animated film? You do not have to include okay. that, though I assume it'd be last. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll let you give yours first. Your 1 through 11 kind of just your star wars rankings all right uh so up top i have empire strikes back i think it's the it's the girl the the it's it's just the best i think i think it's one of the best films of all time i think undisputed top 10 for everybody my personal top five favorite movie um i think the pacing of the film is incredible and everything is just phenomenal uh number two i have the original Star Wars, 1977, or A New Hope, as yep. I always knew it. Yep. Um, this was just, this is my favorite all growing up. Uh, I just, I loved the whole, Luke's just a farm kid. Yeah. And I, I think it just, like, just, just does an incredible job of setting up this this universe in just a, such a fun and meaningful and, like, just thoughtful way that, like, I enjoyed it because it was awesome as a kid, and I enjoy it because it's meaningful now. Um, number three, I have Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. which... Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I I have Rogue One as number three. Okay, okay, okay. I have Rogue One. Uh, in the Skywalk Saga, it would go to Revenge of the Sith, but overall, I, I have I have Rogue One here. I cool. think I think Rogue One is just like... Like, beginning to end, just like an incredible movie to watch. Mm-hmm. has the best Darth Vader scene of... Any Star oh, Wars for sure. Yeah, any. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm excited for the Cassian Andor uh, TV show because I think that there's a lot... The, the characters they introduced were were very much uh, interesting and I, I, I enjoyed and I I was like, wanted to see more. I wish they hadn't all died at the end. But I just thought it was a phenomenal film. Well done. Uh, no opening crawl threw me off. Um, yeah. The the score being by not John, not John Williams. Which was, Michael Giacchino is great. He did great, but like... He only had four weeks to do it, which is yeah, crazy it, I think I think it was just such a fun film to watch and just like when I'm thinking of a film I want to watch and that's kind of how I viewed this mm-hmm. is like if I'm going to watch a f- one of these films it's going to be... It says Rogue One. The Revenge of the Sith is number four. Uh, I just think uh, it's just... It's the best of the prequel trilogy far and away. Um... And I think it, and I think it does a good job of Anakin Skywalker development, and this is just phenomenal. Um, 
And I think just that I, I, Obi-Wan Kenobi is my favorite character in all Star Wars. Yeah, and probably same for me. Um, and I just, I think this, this movie does a lot of things well. Um, I, I, the, the visuals are, are incredible. And then I realized it came out in 2005 yeah. and how f- long ago that was. It looks great. And it, it, it looks great. Um, yeah, fun, great film. Uh, then for number five, I have The Force Awakens. Um, I think it's a, a fun film. That does a great job setting up a trilogy. I think J.J. Abrams did a good job introducing characters uh, that are that are lovable and something you're going to care about. And I just really enjoyed that film, and it it, made, it really invigorated me to dive deeper into my Star Wars fandom. Um, and that's that was kind of like what really like sent me into like into space into this <laughs> the outer space of Star Wars fandom. Uh, and then. So number six, I have Return of the Jedi. Um, I don't, I don't, I think it's the weakest of the original trilogy, yeah, I um, and I I think that there's a lot of things it does poorly. Uh, but all in all, I think wrapping up a trilogy as great as the original was and coming after Empire Strikes Back is kind of hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and George Lucas's craziness was starting to show a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and following that at number seven, I have The Last Jedi, uh, which. I just spent a whole podcast talking about, <laughs> but yeah, I, I put it here just because I just think like it, it's it's just less enjoyable than the than the, the films above in my opinion to watch, um, and I don't think it it does as much for the plots of the films as hmm. as um, as the, the other ones did, or as the plot of the, of the saga, I should say. Uh, then following that at number that's gonna be number eight now. Number eight, yep. Uh, number eight, I have Solo, uh, Star Wars story. Not a great film. Nope. It's enjoyable to Perfectly watch. Fine. Um, I think they did the best they could considering Kathleen Kennedy's follies. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just like the 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 horrible director and every and producing situation that went on mm-hmm. with this film. I think it's good. I don't think it's great. Um, and I should say this was a disclaimer. I love every film that Star Wars has put out. Yeah. I, it, it's just a matter of which ones I love the most. Yeah, that's right. You know, and so, when, like, when I'm about to say I hate The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, <laughs> I don't, don't actually really. hate them. They're just the lowest. But they're just, they're just, like, the ones I love the least. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, which brings me to number nine. I have uh, The Phantom... Is this number nine or ten? This is number nine. Number nine, I have The Phantom Menace, which is just... It's just kind of boring. It is kind of boring. Yeah. I don't think it's... I don't think it's bad in comparison to what it could have been. The Darth Maul is epic. Pod racing, fun. Um, I I recently looked up a picture of the kid who played Anakin. Yeah, he's been in prison a bunch. And And he is creepy looking, and it just changes my perception of of that. And I just don't associate that Anakin with the Hayden Christian Anakin or the Clone Wars Anakin, the animated series. Um, and it's just, it just kind of it does a lot of things well, I think, and it, but it's just kind of weak overall. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think the, the the political plot lines are interesting. I just think that they're less compelling as a lot of the yeah. the re, the rebellion versus versus empire, as opposed to, it's just a lot less interesting in general yeah, than the than the the separatist versus the republic, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, and then following that, I have Attack of the Clones. So where does do you have Rise of Skywalker on there? Oh, Rise of Skywalker is above the Phantom Menace, below the Last Jedi. So you have Rise of Skywalker at eight. Yes. Phantom Menace at nine. Yes. And wait, 
Hold on. I'm trying to think about this in my head. I'll, I'll just read through them. So okay, cool. Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, Rogue One, yep. Revenge of the Sith, Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, The Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, Solo, yep. Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. Cool. So my 11 is very different. Um, oh, and Attack of the Clones is the Star Wars movie I've seen the most because it was the only one I had on DVD for a, a long time. Yeah. Um, factory scene's horrible. Um, acting's just horrible. Throughout, yeah. Uh, I mean, Natalie Portman. Love her to death. Love yeah. her to death, but cannot act in this movie to save her life. Um, so, yeah, Attack of the Clones, worst Star Wars movie. All right, number one, I have Empire Strikes Back for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. Uh, I won't say too much about it. Uh, it's great. You all know it. At number two, this is where we're going to get different. Uh, number two, I have The Last Jedi. Uh, emotionally moved me in a way I can't explain. I, I had mentioned earlier on this podcast that I walked out on a almost spiritual-like high from this movie, and every time I watch it, I feel the same thing. At number three, I have Star Wars 1977, or A New Hope. And then at number four, I have The Force Awakens. At number five, I have Return of the Jedi. At number six, I have Solo, A Star Wars Story. Okay. And if you want to hear me talk about Solo, A Star Wars Story, check out the Perfectly Average podcast uh, that I also host. And I like Solo quite a bit. I think I like it more than most people. Um, I think it looks cool. I think I think there's a lot of cool things about it. Number seven, I have Rogue One. Rogue One, to me, is really good for half an hour. Uh, the the other parts of the movie is me just wishing I could be on the beach scene again. And, like, I just want to get to there. Like, yeah. I don't really care about the stuff that comes before. That's fair. And the Vader scene's awesome. The third act's awesome. But I'm not a huge fan of everything else. At number eight, I have Rise of Skywalker. I've thought about putting it lower because there are just things in that movie that don't make sense, and the plot is everywhere, and they do some things I just really don't agree with. Um, number nine, I have The Phantom Menace. Uh, this is the movie I watched the most as a kid. It's the first one I had on DVD. Uh, I agree with you. It's kind of boring at times, but I was really, I really gravitated toward Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan as a mm. kid, yeah. and their dynamic and their final battle with Maul, Qui-Gon's death. Like, those are the very first memories of Star Wars yeah, I have. Qui-Gon's a, a, Qui-Gon is a great character. Yeah. Changed my mind. <laughs> and at number 10, I have one that you're going to disagree with pretty hardcore. I have Revenge of the Sith. Um, Revenge of the Sith has a lot of the same issues I have with the prequels. Uh, kind of boring at times. I think the opening 10 to 15 minutes is phenomenal. The opening space scene, the Dooku fight, the freeing the Chancellor, I think it's all really gripping and riveting and it's great to look at. Though I think it kind of loses its way towards the middle. And I honestly believe that Anakin is more evil in Attack of the Clones than he is in Revenge of the Sith before he goes full evil. Um, so in episode two, you get Anakin killing all the Sand people and mm, you see yeah. it like with the love stuff and everything. And in episode three, like he's starting a family, which we're supposed to think is bad, but like. No one treats it that way, really. Yeah. And obviously when he goes full evil and Darth Vader does a lot of horrible things, but I think if he had done the things he did in 2 and 3, I would have believed it more than I did. But all that said, the fight with Obi-Wan and Anakin is really cool for a few minutes. Um, it just has a lot of the issues. Bad dialogue, bad acting, all that kind of stuff that I have in all the prequels. And at number 11, I have Attack the Clones, which is... 
not really close to Revenge of the Sith or any of the others. Um, it's it's firmly in last place. Um, there isn't too much redeeming about it, though I have seen it a lot as a kid. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Seeing all the Jedi fight is cool. I enjoy a lot of that. Seeing Yoda with a lightsaber is cool, though I don't mm-hmm. like it as much now in hindsight, but when I was a kid, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, as a kid, it might it might have been my favorite as a kid yeah. if it wasn't A New Hope, just because of all the... Lightsabers. All the, li- all the, all the lightsabers. <laughs> yep. Yep. Same. That's, that's kind of how I And I cracked it. my butt off. My, I cracked up yeah. very hard when, when during the factory scene when C-3PO is getting Fair put enough. his head yeah, put on very a battle droid. Humor. Yeah. Yep. So those are our Star Wars rankings. Obviously, we have a lot that we disagree with, but we all, I think I feel similar to you. I don't hate any of these movies. Um, they all have things that I do like and don't like. and It's Star Wars to me, and Star Wars is great. Um, so Blake, man, thanks for coming to talk about Star Wars and The Last Jedi. I appreciate your your insight and and all that you bring. Well, I'm hoping to do a roundtable about the Rise of Skywalker at some point with like four people or so, um, so we can get a lot of different inputs on it. Um, yes. And yeah, you be would, a part of that. So that'd be awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me very much. Um, yeah, it's been a blast. I love talking Star Wars, so yep, anytime you want. <laughs> Glad we were able to do this in podcast form. Remember to follow, subscribe, rate, all that kind of good stuff. Helps out the podcast a ton. And be on the lookout for future episodes. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode about The Last Jedi. And I'll see you next week.